Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, right, there are five days before the general election. This is Owen Jones, and this is the Cheerful Election Daily. What star-studded cast I've got. So, first off, start with Michael Segalov. Hello. Hi. 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 What do I have to... What do I do? No, you're here. Hi. Um, and we've got Ellie Mayer Hagen. Back again. I mean, come on, though. We've got Frankie Boy here, so that's kind of cool. I'm feeling cheerful. <laughs> Always cheerful. Can I just say how rude it is that you, you're like, oh, but we've got Frankie yeah, Boy. Yeah, that's why I said. Two losers and Frankie yeah. Boy. Well, I just meant he's obviously the best person here and the most interesting that people listen to. I think they'll just take you both for granted. I just think they're like, clearly we were not expecting Frankie Ball to be here. I am feeling I've, less cheerful. I've been listening to the podcast, I've been enjoying them. I've put the head in. Have you? Yeah. I listen really? to Speak Welsh. Oh yeah, I oh, did yeah. do that. I like it when she does do that. that again if you like. It's not a fetish, but it's, it's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> weird. Oh, that's the takeaway. That's right. <laughs> Um, so as the take, we've got a takeaway. We've just that, wa- that's our house boy. <laughs> <laughs> so right, we just wa- he really enjoyed us saying that. By the way, we're joking, but he is. Um, so we're at Michael Seglos flat in Liberal Elite or something. So we just watched uh, the leaders' debate. So who's going to kick off? Come on, I thought. It was really boring. It was quite tense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just think, as I was saying there, I just think that Labour needs to in some way address the fact that it's not very good at rhetoric, or it's it's less good than the Conservatives. The Conservatives are essentially a sort of astroturfing operation. They're there to represent different types of business interests to voters, whereas Labour actually represents real interest. So one of the reasons there's so many fights in Labour is they actually have to represent interests that sometimes conflict. And so at some point when you're debating people in the field of rhetoric, you've got to say, well, this is where we are. You've got to mark out the territory. So I think Corbyn's got to say at some point, well, Boris Johnson might sound very plausible in Law and Order, but he's actually done this. Well, you've got the sound bites there, but in practice, you know, you, you might look like a plausible figure, but you're refusing to debate Andrew Neil or whatever, you know, but he needs to draw attention to the fact that, you know, we're in this kind of postmodern world now where everything's done through rhetoric and we're talking about rhetoric as if it's real and it's it's not real. Ellie Mahagan. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would just put it more simply in the sense that he should have just, I just wish... Jeremy Corbyn has spent the entire debate just saying, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying, again, you're, you're, lying, lying you're lying, you're lying, you're lying, you're Corbyn, lying, you know, like, he he lied, Boris Johnson lied in the question about lying. <laughs> it was really annoying. And Corbyn um, got angry in the question about stopping hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
TR, stop it. <laughs> I think I think the thing is, right, so I think all of us, what we'd like to do, basically, is sit on that stage, not sit, because that's not the format. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah, don't sit on the stage. Stand on the stage, and we'd be like, you're a liar, you lie about everything, you've been sacked twice for lying, you delib- you've incited hatred against Muslims, you quite literally caused a spike in hate crimes against Muslims. Uh, you, uh, you know, you, you, you are, you can't eat, you a wimp who won't even turn up to an Andrew Neal interview. Mm-hmm. But it, the thing is, right, we might do that, and a lot of people might go, fair enough, but also go, well, you know, is that, you know, because for Jeremy Corbyn, he's got the sense of integrity, and that's part of his whole kind of brand, isn't it? And he thinks that's personal. And actually, would it have worked? Does it work for him if he does that? Because I want to hear what you think, Michael. Because it, he, for him, he thinks, I think, genuinely that's getting, you know, we need to stick to the issues, you need to stick to the policies. <clears throat> and if you get to the character stuff, it deflects. This is what Tony Bennett said. It's respect the issues, not the personalities. That was a terrible impression. But you know what I mean? And I think that's why he doesn't do that in a way, maybe a little Rottweiler like you would. How dare you? Um, no, I, I agree to some extent. Like, I don't think Corbyn going out into these debates and attacking Johnson's character over his familial relationships, for instance, does much good. But I do think on the issues of trust and the issues of being held accountable, that is where it is political and not personal. The decisions that Boris Johnson is making may reflect his personal life, but they're also what he's doing in office as Prime Minister and during an election campaign. And so I, I think that there's... There's a, there's a line that you can cross, which maybe Corbyn wouldn't want to, but there is some areas where I think Corbyn should be going further. That said, I do think, once again, what we saw in this in this debate was a, a clear attempt by Johnson to, to keep the issues on Brexit and, and only on Brexit. Including about racism. Like, Brexit, 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 Brexit. And the question on Islamophobia, where there, there is no doubt there's a serious problem within the Conservative Party, Johnson's answer was on Brexit. And on this one, once again, when Corbyn was pressed on anti-Semitism, he did engage with the substance of the issue within the party. And I think people watching aren't stupid. And I think kind of uh, uh, voters and, and viewers will have seen that that attempt to move only on to Brexit and actually on the fundamental questions that were brought up in, in the debate. The questions weren't just about Brexit. They're about the health service, about education, sadly not on climate change. And I think yeah, no climate emergency Which question. I think is baffling and a real failure by the BBC not to ensure that the biggest issue facing not just this election but our society more broadly was not about and once the world. again. And, and the world. Yeah. Oh, come on. The, the extinction of human civilization. Get over yourselves. There's bigger issues to fry. Right. So, okay. The beginning bit, right? Because Labour's big challenge now is amongst Leave voters. Remainers have come back quite significantly. The Lib Dems have plummeted. You know, I've been to the Midlands. I, I hate when people are homogenised because most Labour voters voted Remain. Most young working class people voted Remain. But there's no... Most BME working class people voted Remain. But I go to places in the Midlands, north, small towns, and they're quite angry about it. They think, ah, oh, we voted this three and a half years ago. It's not happened. And they're the people that Labour are struggling to get back. So Labour's trying to focus on things like the NHS is up for sale, uh, what is threatened with a trade deal, medicines, prices will be hiked, can you trust this guy, get Brexit done's bullshit because it will mean trade negotiations. What do you think, Frankie? Because this is the thing, like, people like, uh, you know, a lot of us, myself included, said, well, we have to pivot to a second referendum, no one wants to compromise anymore. But some people are like, that's cost-free, but when you go to, like, Ashfield or Mansfield, you see people voting Labour last time going... Are you taking the piss? I don't know. I mean, I really wonder if second referendum polling is accurate because I think there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of leavers who haven't changed their opinion. So I know the polls say that you know most most people still have the same opinion, but I wonder if people who say they're remainers 
actually want a second referendum. I think there's a lot of, not a lot of, but I think there's an element of a soft remain who like, this does need to be done in some form. And I wonder if they've actually shown up in Poland because that, that's how it feels to me. Mm. I think that's true. I think most Remainers, like hardcore Remainers I know, want a second referendum rather than just to stay in the EU because they do recognise that a democratic vote did happen and that it went one way and they feel like there has to be, if if Brexit was to be stopped, it would have to be because the country decided to stop it and that, and that the original vote was overturned in some way and it, that actually you couldn't just ignore it. So I think that's that's true. That's why the Lib Dem's initial policy of just revoking Article 50 was bananas because... Um, <laughs> They've had a really bananas campaign. It's great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's like a surreal art piece. I like it. It should be entered to the Turner Prize. <laughs> and it'd win because everyone wins when they get into the Turner Prize. And she'll need something else to do after the election if she loses her seat. Maybe. Oh, I went. I went to a seat last week. I went there. Uh, S and P a bit of it. I mean, it's five over five thousand majority, so it's quite cocky. But the, the S and P were being. They felt quite confident about it. I think. Well, five thousand is quite a lot in Scotland, isn't it? But. Yeah. Like, I think as people now know who she is, <laughs> it could be tricky. <laughs> I did meet people on the streets there, and they were like, I didn't mind her before, but I don't like her anymore. Who else she's been murdering? She should stop. Well, Michael, we will not tolerate factory inaccuracies. She was not accused of Sorry. murdering squirrels, but... She was accused of murder. No torturing, actually. (laughs) But to avoid a protracted exchange of legal letters, can I clarify that the accusations of Joe Swinson being caught... (laughs) <laughs> torturing squirrels was an online meme so if the Lib Dem press office and their There's team no of lawyers wish to <laughs> honestly feel that would humanise her <laughs> <laughs> she feels like a cat bin lady have you ever seen Joe Swinson with a squirrel where she's not hurting it I haven't yeah I mean but again to avoid a protracted exchange of legal we're just saying look at the evidence no one's, no one's making accusations though, and we're just saying look at the evidence there's no evidence there's no evidence Joe Swinson has a single squirrel there's also no evidence that she hasn't okay so. she hasn't she just move on right so go down about the, the, the socialism or capitalism because actually the polling shows that most Britons uh, so there was a question about whether social capitalism is better for raising living standards and most people have a favourable view of socialism in this country according to polling I don't know I just don't I mean I don't think people lie awake at night thinking about it but I think Jeremy Corbyn's kind of this is a wealthy society that can't meet the needs mm. of its people is kind of a Totally, and I think that the constant um, reference back to 1945 is really important here because when we talk about what the Labour Party is offering now, it is really, to my mind, just another version of what they did in the creation of the welfare state and the creation of the NHS. And I think that that, that narrative around, sorry, close to the mic, socialism being this kind of scary prospect that the Tories want to put across is, A, as you say, doesn't ring, ring true with the views of the British public. But also when we look at the, the substance of what that means in this election, which is nationalising um, key 
uh, industries like railway and water, like introducing broadband, free to access for all people uh, and like investment in the health service. They're things that are popular amongst the British public. And if if that wants to be labelled as scary socialism by the Conservative Party, then so be it. But actually, it's really popular. And so I don't think we should be afraid of having that discussion about what's wrong with capitalism and what socialism offers. Uh, because, yeah, it rings true with voters. They want to see that happen. I genuinely think he could have said fuck capitalism like, <laughs> like, but in the sense of like so if, if he'd gone that was his only answer like, yeah. I think he, he could have gone capitalism thank you Nick he could have actually gone fuck Tony Blair you know when they I, said what do you feel about how Tony Blair and, and whoever it was have, have um, intervened this week if he just gone fuck Tony Blair he probably got like a fucking standing ovation right? but he could, what he could have done and what I think Labour could do as well is, is sort of just go look if the system's working for you, then fine. So you can see why Boris Johnson is going to stand here and defend capitalism because he's defending the interests of very few people. But is the system working for most of you? You know? I mean, for most people, there's nothing about this system that's working. And most people feel that. Yeah, I didn't worry, I didn't worry too much about that question. Because, you know... He, Boris Johnson was going on about a, a sort of a market economy, but you know anyone who remembers the last ten years will know that it's not working. So I wasn't. I just thought he was defending a failed system, and that's like clear to everybody. So I wasn't really too worried about that question. The one question we were worried about because we had. Like- it was about uh, security because Jeremy Corbyn's been demonised so much over this by a pretty unhinged right-wing press and toy machine. And actually, I thought that went well. Uh, I mean, I, I just want to say about the terror because I've, I've, Jack Merritt was a very courageous young man who uh, dedicated his life to fight his young, very short life, um, dedicated to fighting against the policies Boris Johnson is trying to promote about the justice system. Uh, punitive uh, sentencings and the whole point of what Jack Merritt was all about was about rehabilitation and uh, and his his father has very passionately spoken out about that and against the right wing press trying to use his death in that way so I'm glad that he he was quoted there but what do you think I don't know that whole because it's this is what happened last time in the last just to just so everyone knows in the last election campaign um, the first terrorist attack in Manchester, which was obviously horrific, uh, teenagers and others who were just massacred by a terrorist at a concert, and there was a sense amongst the Labour camp of this is fucking horrible, and also this the Tories are going to use this for electoral gain, and actually what Labour's argument was was this was a terrible act of terrorism, we have to link it partly to the war on terror and to cuts to to security that actually hammered home. I don't know. I, it seems. I, I, I mean that you know because I think we all went. Oh, how's this going to go because of the uh, because of that the way it's been framed? But actually, that works quite well. I thought. Yeah, he didn't have really an, well. In fact, Johnson didn't have an answer. He had no answer when he was pressed with questions about cuts to police, to the probation service and privatisation, to community support officers, to the closure of courts, to prison officers. There, there is no answer, and that's a massive part of the failure of the justice system to rehabilitate people and to you know keep on top of what's happening in prisons, is because there is no money and no resource there. And Johnson sort of filibustering and flapping around on this doesn't really do much. And I think actually, like you say, we were sat here thinking, how's it going to go? But in the end, John, you know, uh, Corbyn put across his answer as well. He said that we need to invest in people and invest in the infrastructure. In the justice system and, and it's because of the Tories that's not there. And the probation service was privatised mm. under Chris Grayling wasn't it? So he just keeps on just the ripples of Grayling. <laughs> he lives on in our hearts. What? I mean he he was, he was quite an interesting phenomenon Chris Grayling wasn't he? Just everything about him was 
I once tried to ask him questions. I ran after him at Tommy Conference, trying to do a little mini, you know, like Michael Crick did telephone years. I tried asking questions, and he just stonewalled. He didn't say anything. He just... Did he see you? He knew I was... Oh, yeah. I was there with a the microphone going... He was transport secretary at the time. His trail of destruction continuing. And I was just <laughs> like... What do you have to say? I can't remember. I think it was Southern Railways at the time. Like, what... This is terrible. What... You have to take responsibility. And he and he just... Just ignored me because I wasn't there anyway weird um, do you not think it cuts through because actually people realise that in a, in a pervert because the way Labour's been demonised and attacked in, in, in quite an extreme and quite frightening way but actually people make the link it makes a material link between if you cut things it's a false economy it's not like you're making a saving because what, what the whole Tory austerity programme did is just removed humanity out of everything. It was just, how do you balance the books? Whoever, whoever's backs it's, it's, it's balanced on. And when you get kind of these sorts of attacks, people go, well, obviously, if you'd invested in things more, then people will be safer. And that makes a direct link. I, don't I agree with that, but I also think there's in the zeitgeist the thing where you can now talk about British foreign policy yeah. in a way that you couldn't maybe mm-hmm. eight, ten years ago. And that part of our new nationalism, even the worst parts of it, is that it is quite insular. And people do have a sense of, well, what the fuck are we doing over there that's causing uh, terrorist problems at home? Do you know what I mean? And I think that played quite well in the last election. And It was a classic example, wasn't it, of when, with Corbynism, where it was a case of, there was a consensus amongst the media elite um, and the political elite of... Uh, things you can't say and mm-hmm. you know so this idea of British disastrous interventions which in Iraq and elsewhere hundreds of thousands dead and to try and link that to all our relationship with Saudi Arabia which exports terrorism and we arm them as they carpet bomb Yemen and slaughter Yemeni kids uh, and the worst humanitarian crisis on earth that the attempt to link that to Radicalization and terrorism is, is like just some disgrace and how what a moral affront. But that was the common sense of the British public. Because yeah. obviously most people who wrote, however they wrote, if you say, do you think these wars have made us safer or do you think they've actually increased the risk of terrorism? They're like, well, obviously it's increased the risk of terrorism. And they, they wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah. And that, that taps into that, doesn't it? I think sometimes like you win arguments because they make logical sense. So I think that's why the austerity argument was so powerful for such a long time, because the idea of we've spent too much, so we need to cut back made logical sense. And I think the argument that, well, if we go to another country and bomb someone's entire family, they're going to get angry and want some kind of retribution. Mm -hmm. That makes logical sense to people, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is what happened, you know, like, so I think that's, you know, yes, I think, um, the anti-war movement, the kind of humanitarian catastrophe um, that was Iraq in the end, has all uh, created a situation where we can look at foreign policy a bit differently. But I also think that most people on some kind of just human level understand that if you, if a, a foreign army uh, bombs civilians and causes death and destruction, that that might leave behind some very angry people you know, and it might leave behind an atmosphere where people do get radicalised. So I think it just kind of makes sense to people as well. And for a while, I'm in lots of different areas of life, there are things that the British public believe and, and think and are receptive to, but are considered unsayable in politics. You know, and this is one of them. That's what I think. I'm staying at you, Michael. Do you have any more input on this particular issue or question before we wrap up the podcast and have a little conclusion? 
Um, no, uh, well, only in that I think that on, when you have a debate about austerity, like Ellie said, it, it, it's often sort of about numbers and balancing the books, but there are certain issues where people are forced to make that kind of pose that question in their head about, well, is it worth spending on such a thing? And I think what we saw in this debate to kind of bring it back was on security and on health. So kind of public safety mm-hmm. and public health. The general public, uh, from from the response of the audience, and I think from what I've seen in this campaign, are starting to demand that those things are more important than cutting to have some sort of like economic conservatism. And so I think in the next few days, it's on those two points that the Labour Party needs to hammer home, is that whatever Johnson's saying, whatever the Conservatives are offering, it's bringing you know, the country back to at the very best where it was before austerity started. And on those two topics, on our security and on our health, the, um, the Labour Party, sorry, is pledging to bring us up further. And I think that's where the question of economic balance will come into play, because I do think the population more broadly wants to see investment in those areas. What's your Frankie? Last few days, I think what? it's about trust. So I think it's about all of, and I've not really appreciated it till this debate. But mm. all of Boris Johnson's offer is based on trust me, trust me to negotiate Brexit, trust me to do this. Um, there's no uh, funding for social care, but we're promising it'll happen. Trust me to do it. And he's a uniquely untrustworthy figure. Who people actually, when questions of trust and stuff come up, the audience literally laughs at him. So Labour needs to kind of capitalise on that. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with that. And I think um, it also needs to demonstrate, Labour also needs to demonstrate why, like, Jeremy Corbyn is, like, you know, the man to, like, be in Downing Street. Um, And I think the other thing is that Labour needs to focus on getting people out in the next five days, getting them out, getting them canvassing and making a big uh, plea to young voters as well. Because a lot of the things that Labour talks about in its manifesto are really relevant to um, young people. I've, I've, I've like done some work with the climate strikers and stuff, and none of the questions that were asked today mm. um, are like the things that that young people worry about. Young people mm. worry about climate change. You know, Amelia Womack said it. Actually. Housing and so on. Yeah, in the spin room, they worry about housing. They worry about uh, job security. They worry mm. about climate change. Um, they don't worry about. Brexit and whatever else they were talking on about on there, and, and Labour actually does have a kind of concrete plan for young people. So, for me, for me, it's all about vision in the last few days. And I think what I've been thinking about a lot is if you listen to Boris Johnson, the offer from the Conservative Party, and you try and imagine what this country looks like in five years, I, I don't know. Even if you listen to everything he's saying, you imagine they get this Brexit deal through, and then some form of trade deal. If I have to picture the country in five years' time, I don't know what's happening, what it looks like, what people's lives are. And under Labour, I see what that vision is. I can map it out in my head because there's detailed policies on climate change, on housing, on the NHS, on education. I can see what society looks like. And that's a vision, again, that is popular. And what I think Labour needs to do and what I would like to see happen in the next few days is people really asking Boris Johnson to describe what this country looks like in five years how would people's lives change or improve? Because I don't think there is an answer there. It's this like nonsense idea of Britain, how it used to be that has no kind of real, real place. And I, I think if people were convinced by those arguments, of what this country looks like, people would be convinced to vote Labour. 
picture, if you will, a smoking crater. <laughs> <laughs> but it is even even the tra- stamping your face deal, forever. Yeah. Like, what does the what does the Brexit deal look like for this country in five years' time? What mm. trade deals exist? Really pushing on that. That that's where well, that's where dodged interviews. Yeah, because all that stuff goes to his character. Because ultimately, he's going to say on all that stuff. Trust me. And if he goes on Andrew Neil or whatever, mm. they'll go. You're not a fucking trustworthy person. Hundred yeah. percent. There you go. Three contradictory pieces of advice. For I think they're all great pieces of advice. So just do all those things. But it's true. I just find it. I mean, I think that's the issue. Like the big challenges facing Labour now are: will young people come out to vote in sufficient numbers? Will people who've gone to undecided shift to Labour? Will Leave voters? Um, will Labour be able to win some of them back, particularly on issues like? rather than the whole kind of Brexit, get Brexit done mantra, the threat to the NHS, actually it won't be getting Brexit done. Do you trust the Tories uh, who wrecked your communities in Northern and Midlands industrial communities to protect your living standards, your jobs and your public services? It's going to be tough. But I, but what can you do? We've got a few days left. Got to fight with everything we got. And I think actually... The YouGov polling showed again basically a score draw, more or less, within the and 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 people look at that and go, oh, it needs to have been a kind of like knockout blow for Jamie Corbyn. I think the issue is though that the the, the rules of the game are so rigged in favour of Boris Johnson, and almost the whole press is acting as their campaigning wing, the Tory campaign machine, that We've seen in the polling that Jamie Corbyn's ratings have gone up when people have seen him more, Boris Johnson's gone down, that's what happened last time. Will it be enough? Don't know. I'll have to see, won't we? People have to just keep fighting. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. All right, we'll leave it there because we just want to relax now. Uh, cheers, everyone. Um, I'll be back on Monday and there'll be an election a few days after that. So let's do the best we can. No, let's get get this election done. Um, it's been a pleasure, as ever, and uh, be full of hope and optimism because we can turn everything around and... Uh, you're all great apart from people listening to this who aren't lots of love take care bye bye (laughs) Election Daily is produced by the cheerful team including Jeff Lloyd Emma Corsham Joe Kenyon and Joel Pearce with music from Pete Frazier Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.